Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss all things life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Our partner's spinal cord injuries are what brought us together, and our common bond as caregivers to quadriplegics is what helped us to create the advocacy group Wags of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges this lifestyle presents, and our mission is to spread awareness and positivity from our unique perspectives. So join us each week as we discuss fresh topics and new ideas surrounding relationships, self-care, and living your best life as a caregiver and partner to someone with a serious injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast and for supporting our mission of inclusivity and awareness. The episode you're about to enjoy is brought to you by Anchor Medical Supplies. This company is very special to us as it is owned and operated by a quadriplegic. His name is Paul and his Wag of SCI, Jessica. They have been married for 22 years and they strive to provide the best service in the industry for catheters and ostomy products. Anchor Medical Supplies is based in Georgia, but work with nationwide Medicare, Medicaid, and many private insurance companies, including Blue Cross and TRICARE. They work with your doctor's office to get prescriptions organized, and they bill insurance directly. They ship discreetly to your door without any hassles. They are passionate about advocating for those with disabilities, and most of their staff are individuals that have been affected by paralysis themselves. Their personalized services include monthly check-ins, expert advice, and customized products. This makes them a company we can really rely on and trust. They know the SCI life, and they understand how important peer support can be. If you aren't sure you want to change providers, subscribe to their monthly newsletter. Jessica curates the latest SCI news, new products, and advice so you can stay informed and connected. Just go to their website, anchormedsupplies.com, and fill out the easy form. Give Jessica and Paul a call today at 1-833-667-8669 or you can visit their website at anchormedsupplies.com and tell them the Wags of SCI sent you. So welcome back, you guys, to the Wags of SCI podcast. We are here in studio with our official personal trainer, Megan Williamson. We're super excited to have Megan on the show. She is based here in Vancouver, but she has created such an incredible platform for after spinal cord injury workouts. Um, So just a little bit about Megan. Megan is an experienced rehab and fitness coach and the owner of Ocean Rehab and Fitness. She's certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine and has a decade of experience working one-on-one and in a group setting with clients. She also specializes in neurological dysfunction, which means that she primarily works with clients that have sustained spinal cord injuries or diseases such as MS. Megan is based in Vancouver, BC, where we live, um, and she trains her clients out of ICORD, the Physical Activity Research Center here in Vancouver. She also offers one-on-one coaching and adapted programs through her online portal, Ocean Insider Club, which can be accessed from anywhere in the world. So this service allows anyone to work with Megan or follow her programs who may not live in Vancouver or have access to an accessible fitness facility. Super, super cool. Thank you so much for joining us today, Megan. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. 
So um, I know Elena met you before me. Mm-hmm. Elena, how did you meet Megan? So Megan, um, so Megan works at a facility here in town um, for spinal cord injury research. It's dedicated completely for FCI, and it's called the iCord Center. So. I think, what was it, Megan? Dan, you met Dan right after um, rehab, was it? Yeah, Dan was pretty new. I think he was still an outpatient at GF Strong. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So for us, um, without having government funding for physio and whatnot, this was literally like (laughs) the best thing ever. Um, This facility is incredible. They have volunteers. They have Megan with specialized programs um, basically put together for your specific needs, depending on your level of injury, depending on a whole heap of of things there but they have equipment that you can kind of go through and do a circuit it's just a really really cool facility and a really great um access for people who don't have uh necessarily any funding for physio so yes so we were very happy to meet you when we did um it also kind of helped dan get out of the house and uh regulate a new program and get himself active so Yes, this is how we know Megan. (laughs) Thank you for all you do, Megan, in the community. Um, You do so much. And we're so, so happy to have you as a resource because our community, you know, there's a lot of people that live in remote areas. There's a lot of people that don't have access to accessible gym facilities. I know that's very rare, um, especially in the States. Um, So you being on today is going to be so cool because... People need to know the importance of staying active after a spinal cord injury. And we as caregivers, we need to know how we can help our partners um, to accomplish their goals because a lot of our partners do need assistance with these kind of things. So we're super happy to have you on. Um, Do you want to go into a little bit of detail as to like how you started, how you became interested in spinal cord injuries? Absolutely. So oddly enough, my background is actually in dance. I received my Bachelor of Arts from the University of California in Irvine. And it wasn't until after I started working professionally as a dancer for a couple of years after graduation that I kind of I just kind of kind of fell into the fitness industry. And to be honest, I kind of switched gears. Um, But I got a lot of exposure in LA to rehab. It was mostly um, with people that were post operation, you know, knees and um, just some shoulders, some minor type stuff. And I was exposed to a few physical disabilities in LA and that kind of piqued my interest. And so when I moved to Vancouver, I actually was uh, applying to physiotherapy. So I went to the University of British Columbia and I um, entered into 26 units of kinesiology, basically what was needed for the physio program. And I realized that there was a need to bridge the gap between rehab and fitness. There was nothing in between for people that were like, for example, someone at GF Strong and then coming into the real world after their rehab, acute rehab, there really wasn't anything there um, to just find some adaptive fitness. So I actually, I left the path of physio and I decided to pursue that and bridge the gap. And that's what I've been doing. So alongside of working with clients uh, one-on-one and in group settings, um, another way of bridging the gap is I've also helped people in the community by training the staff at recreation centers in the surrounding greater Vancouver areas in inclusive fitness training. So what we do is we go in and we help their staff on understanding how to help someone that comes in with a physical disability, uh, assess them, adapt equipment, 
give them some basic program skills on how they can start to create their own workout programs so that they have an environment that is the same as you and I or any able-bodied person so that they can have the same opportunities to grow and achieve fitness goals just as you and I would. Um, Mm -hmm. Inclusiveness. And that's so important, right? Just to hop in there is it's so important to A, be able to get back to working out, but it's extremely important for people after spinal cord injury because your strength goes back to like baby strength. You have to like relearn everything and gain that strength in those muscles. And like you were saying, this equipment has to be adapted because if you're a quadriplegic, you can't just wheel. Well, first of all, you're in a wheelchair. You can't just go in and just grab the equipment and start pulling down the handles Mm -hmm. on the weights or, and things like that. So what, you know, this is such an important um, step for recovery. Exactly. And unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot out there for, you know, people with physical disabilities. Um, For example, one of my friends in Whitehorse, he tried, he's a, sorry, he's a paraplegic and he wanted to join like an app online, you know, and it's CrossFit based. And so he went online to get, you know, get fit. But unfortunately, the instructors didn't know how to help him adapt and he ended up hurting himself. And so this is just another example of, you know, it's not cookie cutter and everyone's going to be different. And every, as you ladies know, every spinal cord is different. Every spinal cord injury um, Mm -hmm. presents itself different. So it's so important to have the training and have the knowledge out there so that people with physical disabilities can adapt for what they need so that they don't hurt themselves. And then they can see improvement in their strength or their, their fitness goals, whatever it is that they want to do. That's um, so cool. So, yeah, that's man, yeah. that's amazing. And I, I remember when we when I first found out about you and I was so just like grateful that there was actually someone out there that was doing the fitness online because I know when my husband was first injured, we were looking everywhere for something online that we could do at home that I can assist him with and like the best exercises to do after his injury. And there was nothing, there was really nothing. I mean, there was a few articles here and there, but we'd have to search around the internet and there was no real programs. There was no real anything unless you spent a ton of money to go mm-hmm. to one of those exercise mm. rehab centers in the state, which, which are very helpful, but a lot of our followers don't have that kind of money or coverage. Exactly. And a lot of don't live near those facilities, right? right? Some, like you said, a lot of your followers are in remote places where they don't have access to that. Right. Yeah. Huge piece there. And that's insane, right? Because it's like not having access for somebody who really, really, truly needs these resources. Um, That's, you know, they should have access to that. So I think your online program is like the best fit for somebody who's wanting to also be like at home behind their screen and then following along from the comfort of their space to be able to do this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of good feedback from the people that are subscribing and using the the online programs. So that's really that's great because it's motivating to create more. And when I work with someone online, I can get feedback from them of what's working for them and not. And then I can easily go on and change it so that it suits what they need. So it's very specialized, even though it's online, which is very helpful. That's really, really cool. Okay, we're going to get into your online programs a little bit later, but we have a ton of questions um, from our followers and some questions we get asked on a, on a weekly basis about fitness after SCI. So let's start off. What, In your opinion, why is it so important to incorporate fitness into your life after a spinal cord injury? Like, what it, Why is it important to, to get back at it and get stronger? Yeah, so 
aside from just the importance of exercise for anybody being able-bodied or not, um, when you have a spinal cord injury, most people um, end up in a wheelchair, right? Or some type of mobility aid. So they're not actually using bigger muscle groups in their legs. So that just the whole aspect of being your sedentary level absolutely like increases probably tenfold, depending on how active the person was before. Uh, so this can create cardiovascular disease risks to skyrocket. And unfortunately, when you have an SCI, especially if you're a higher level injury, like a quadriplegic, it's really hard to get your heart rate higher. Um, your heart rate is actually affected when you have a spinal cord injury. And so even if you do something that looks like a cardiovascular exercise, like a hand cycle or uh, wheeling outside on a hill, you actually can't ever get your heart rate as high as you used to be able to. So that effect of cardio actually is very changed and altered for someone with a spinal cord injury. So that also makes it very hard to uh, deal with the cardiovascular disease and get the same benefits. Um, another reason is because you tend to get an increase in body fat when you sustain a spinal cord injury. It might not be right away, but um, after rehab, a lot of times when someone sustains a spinal cord injury because of the lack of use of their lower body, they're going to see a big atrophy in the muscles. And when you atrophy muscles, that can cause an increase in body fat because now the ratio has changed. And that can cause serious health issues like what we talked about earlier, uh, cardiovascular disease, and also type 2 diabetes, which is um, also a very serious condition. Um, another thing is just maintaining a healthy weight for longevity and quality of life. So not having a, a healthy weight can make transfers a lot more difficult if, if that individual is someone that does their own mm -hmm. transfers and just confidence, right? Which sure. translates into quality of life. Um, so, so those are all big reasons. Sorry, Megan, just to quickly interrupt you here. For our viewers who don't know what atrophy means, could you explain what muscle atrophy is? Oh, absolutely. So atrophy just means basically wasting away. So if a muscle doesn't get used... Uh, which would be in the case of someone uh, who isn't maybe using their like their leg muscles anymore. Uh, the muscle just pretty much starts to it starts to waste away because it's not being used, it's not being exercised, and it's not getting any growth or endurance work to it. So unless that individual has uh, high spasticity levels, um, which is where the muscles um, involuntarily contracting over and over and over, unless that's happening, um, they eventually will be getting some atrophy. And that that can cause um, a lot of those side effects like um, increased body fat and uh, and a decrease of, of the risk of or sorry, an increase of the risk of diabetes type two. Right. And um, decrease of muscle mass overall. Yes, exactly. Interesting. We have a lot of followers who have been paralyzed or their partners have been paralyzed for a long time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of a lot of them are wondering, like, is there any point to getting back in the gym? If let's just say they're thin enough, they, you know, they're in decent health. Can you start working out after a long time, not working your muscles? Absolutely. And what I would say to that is always take baby steps because your body is going to be different for number one, especially if working out is something they never did even before their injury. Um, but baby steps, because it's if you haven't worked that muscle in a long time, 
you know, it's there's not going to be a lot of strength there. And due to postural issues from being in a chair, there might be a lot of tension in the muscle. So just because a muscle is tight doesn't mean it's strong. A lot of times it means it's weak. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's about baby steps, making sure you're safe and having a safe environment for working out. So a lot of that's understanding what you're doing, getting guidance, you know, working with a professional um, or, you know, some type of physio or something like that. Uh, actually, what I really recommend for those people are the spinal cord injury guidelines, which have recently been released in the last, I, be, I believe they were released about just under two years ago. And they're international and they were actually created by a researcher at here in UB, at UBC Okanagan. And they now have broken it down. They show beginner guidelines for newbies. So it, it's a little easier to follow for someone that has maybe never worked out before. And we actually follow these guidelines on our online program um, in Ocean Insider Club. So it's very easy to hit these target um, exercise guidelines for someone that's new or even has a background of fitness and they're, and they're um, living with an SCI. Wow, very cool. I didn't even know that yeah, this existed. <laughs> so is this something that's that cool. we could like Google and find online? Absolutely. Yes. Um, actually I have a link on my website under resources. If you go to, uh, ocean rehab and and you go to the resources, there should be a link there. But if you just Google international guidelines for spinal cord injury, um, it should pop right up and there's a beautiful chart. It's really easy to read. They've cool. uh, been working on it and making it a lot more user-friendly and not so not so researcher friendly. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Because sometimes like yeah. when, you, when you get a scientist coming in using some fancy <laughs> jargon, you, you kind of lose people, right? So that's awesome. Especially, I like the piece where you brought in that it's uh, for beginners because even somebody like myself, when I go to the gym, um, I'm like, I have no idea what these people are doing or what I should be doing. So sometimes I just like leave because I get so intimidated, right? So that's very cool. That is very cool. So if we're going to be talking about balance and trunk stability, so core stability, are there any specific um, exercises for maintaining these things that you could recommend? Absolutely. And actually, I'm really glad you guys asked because a lot of times I just before I get into it, I just like to note, I'll have some clients come to me and they've, you know, been post injury for a while. So they're not necessarily doing their acute rehab anymore. But they come to me saying, Oh, I don't have a core, you know, and so there's no sense in working on it. And it's so interesting, because I do it anyways. And what I've started to notice is, no matter what the injury level and no matter complete or incomplete, there's always some improvement that can be made. And it's been, re it's really cool. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens with consistency and, um, you know, really focusing on, on the exercises, but there's always some improvement that can be made because you have to think about it. If somebody was just an able-bodied person and they weren't exercising their core before the accident, you know, then maybe there was stuff there that they never accessed and didn't know was there. Yeah. So when they into the rehab with me or their personal training with me, and I start to give them these exercises, you know, it's not that they never lost it. It's they never had it in the first place. Right. Oh. So sometimes it's really interesting to see the progression that they can make. Some of my clients started with using a trust strap in exercises and now they don't use it at all. Um, so that's really cool. So yes, there's some really good stuff you can do to work your core stabilizers. And one of the tricks that I like to start with, especially for newbies in the gym, is to look at your chair posture and like your chair setup. So a lot of times with higher level injuries, 
um, the chairs are, are fit uh, to have a bit of a dump on them so that the person doesn't fall forward. Right. Or yes. so that they're not, they don't have that, that trunk stability. So that that's great for the day to day. But when you're in the gym and you want to start working your torso muscles, it's really good to get rid of that dump a bit. So I'll put like a, yo- like those chip phone yoga blocks. I'll just put one of those behind the back between the back of the client and the chair. And it just sits them up a little higher. And that way, when we're doing stuff, they're really having to focus on the balance of their torso, right? In the gym. And it's not all day. It's just for that. So they're getting a little bit of challenge in the torso just for the workout. And then they can go back to the regular seating. Just personally, my husband, he has a manual and a power chair and his manual chair has a lot of dump in it and his power chair does not because it has kind of like a different cushion, but he's sitting more upright and he has more like lateral support. Um, But he's always wondering, oh, should I go in my manual chair or should I go in my power chair? But now that you're saying this, probably the the less dump situation is probably better. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. And it, at small amounts of times too, right? Because what happens when the core does get tired, there's going to be a limit. We start to compromise and compensate by using other muscles. So the last thing we want to do is like have the client strain their neck because they're trying to stay upright because their their core tires out. So I really do emphasize the just in short amounts, especially when starting out. So you'd never want to do that for a whole day, right? You Maybe an hour or something. So that's why I kind of limit it to the gym. Yeah. For my client, they do it at the gym and then they, and then they take the block out when they go home and give their, their core a break, because that really is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you can do if you're a lower level injury is maybe just try not using a chest strap. So if somebody's used to using a chest strap in the gym, they could just maybe try their workout without it. And that will create a little bit more of that instability in the core for them to work on. Cool. That's really good advice. And for those of us who don't know what dump means, yeah. can you actually go into uh, explain, you know, I was going to ask, <laughs> yeah. uh, can you please explain to us what it means to have dump in your chair? Definitely. So dump is usually found in chairs for people with higher level injuries. So if someone were, you know, an able-bodied person were to sit upright with a chair that like a typical like school chair, that's like 90 degrees and there's, it's just flat. Um, it requires a lot of, you know, core stability and posture to sit that tall. But if somebody had no trunk muscles and they were sitting there, they would just collapse forward. So what a dump is, is, is it literally is just a big dip where the hips sit in a chair. And so it, it, it's almost like when they're sitting, the knees kind of elevate higher towards their chest. And this allows them to stabilize a bit better um, in the chair. So typically you can kind of tell somebody's level of injury by how big of a dump they have in their chair, uh, specifically manual chairs is kind of what, what I'm looking at for this. Yeah. Uh, so typically somebody who's more of a paraplegic, like a low level, their chair won't have a huge back on it. It'll be very low because they have their trunk. They can stabilize. Right. But somebody at like a C5 level, they're probably going to have some dump because they don't have those core muscles or trunk muscles to help and they would just tip forward. So they need a bit more support. 
that's really cool for friends and family too, or, or just anybody out there listening to this podcast that don't really know anybody in a wheelchair, but just want better understanding of inclusivity. Like when you're out and you see someone with a lower backrest and not very much dump in their chair, you probably know that they're paraplegic. And then if it's a quad, if their legs are up higher and their backrest is a bit higher, that it's kind of, it's kind of a cool way to, to tell. Yeah. And for those of us who have never even looked at the back yeah. of somebody's chair and, yeah. <laughs> and maybe this will bring awareness to kind of, you know, when you see somebody out, you'll be able to see that the backrest where their handles are sometimes yeah. when somebody pushes them can be lower or higher depending on their needs cool. and their injury level. So thank you for that, Megan. Yeah, that's a really cool point. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Of course. And I'd like to add just one more thing about exercises for core. Uh, So you can also do some basic belly breathing to activate diaphragm muscles, Mm -hmm. as well as some basic um, transverse abdominus exercises, which I typically do with clients uh, supine or laying, uh, laying on their back on a mat. Uh, and these are a really great place to start. Uh, I typically find that it doesn't matter your level of injury. There's always some version of these two that you can do, which will help with that mind muscle connection. And you can find these, uh, in the online programs with uh, examples of pictures and some videos to help you along. That's really cool. And could you like, let's say we have some caregivers who their partners um, have to stay in bed a lot and, you know, they can't really move them around. Can you do those exercises laying down in bed? Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely. Cool. And the breathing exercises you can even do in your chair. Okay. And the whole mind, mm-hmm. the mind and body connection, the breathing exercises. Now this can also, I mean, this, we talk about this quite often, but this is also like a good thing to do for your overall well-being mentally as well. This is good for, you know, mental health, having that connection between different parts of your body and your mind kind of grounds you again, especially if, if you've had your injury, um, you know, recently and you're kind of going through the whole PTSD thing. These are very, very good tools and tricks to do on your own. And of course, like Brooke and I always say, meditate and spending time in your own head is really good sometimes too. Yeah, that'd be a cool thing to do with your partner too. Like if you know, you you kind of are training yourselves to both do that belly breathing thing, you guys can put on some like, cool meditation music and just do that for 20 minutes to half an hour and just chill out. But also you're working your core. That's really cool. Yes, absolutely. Plays on in the background. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're going to have to ask because we ask this all the time online uh, and through our podcast. Everybody wants to know how do we get rid of the quad belly or how do we engage the muscles or how do we reduce the size of the quad belly? Everybody's asking (laughs) and we just don't know. (laughs) Yes. So quad belly it's interesting because quad belly, when, when somebody has it, typically most of my clients that come to me with quad belly, they, they tend to think it's just a bunch of fat out front of their stomach. But what's really happening is the distension of the abdominal wall happens because they don't have access to that muscle anymore. So the tone is gone. So it's not, it's not that it's all, you know, fat, Mm -hmm. uh, what you're actually seeing is the distension of the internal digestive system. So you're going to be seeing some of the the intestines, right? That's it's, it's being distended because there's no tone in the abdominal wall to keep it in. So that's why not, if we were all walking around without abdominal tone, we would all have that Mm -hmm. no matter how much body fat you have or not. So it can be a bit, um, misleading, 
but you can, there are ways of decreasing it. And one of that is to keep a healthy weight. So making sure that you are at a healthy weight and keeping your body fat uh, within a healthy reason, in a healthy range. So, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, lean proteins, drinking lots of water, watching your, um, watching your trans fats or uh, like packaged type foods, Mm -hmm. making sure that those are limited, you know, getting enough exercise, following those guidelines are really helpful for that. And then the other thing is getting in that uh, abdominal breathing work and some basic core work is really going to help. Because if you do have any access to those uh, abdominal muscles, tightening them is going to help decrease the, the overspill of the quad belly. So a combination of all of that is going to help. I'm just going to quickly bring this up. Um, it's kind of off topic, but you, you kind of brought up nutrition and I know there's, you know, a lot of confusion as to how much you should eat and what you should eat. And, you know, that's a whole other podcast, but, um, from your perspective, do you have any guidelines as far as like calories or anything like that, as far as like quantity that changes after spinal cord injury, or is it just like, you know, eat really healthy and when you're hungry? Yeah. So actually there's a nutritionist who works out of Spinalis, which is in, I believe, Sweden. And I apologize if that's wrong. You can look up Spinalis, but they, it's this amazing, um, center for spinal cord injury. And it's kind of like what we have in Vancouver. Um, and they, that's actually like where they created para kayaking for the Paralympics. Um, and there's a a lady there and she does SCI nutrition specifically. And so I actually, I took their course. And so I like to just give the advice that she gives, um, and it's found in one of her books. And basically what she explains is because your output of energy is going to usually be cut in around half you're typically going to be needing as a guideline, you know, give or take what your activity level is, uh, your calorie intake is going to be about half as what it was before. So if you're a wheelchair athlete and you're expending a lot of uh, energy, obviously this is going to change, right? But if you're, you know, if you're not an extreme athlete and you're not expending a whole lot of energy and you're maybe just following regular guidelines to stay you know, get your cardio, um, health in, and you're not doing anything too extreme. Typically, um, that half number is a good starting point. And that's what Mm. she kind of gives you. Uh, and then uh, once again, she stresses whole foods, um, lots of water, you know, and, um, anti-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory type foods are good to lean towards, especially for those with SCI, because that can be, um, that can be a huge, uh, reason for some of the, digestive or uh, UTI issues that can come up when you have an SCI. So that's, that's kind of the the basic guidelines that all guide clients into um, for when they're asking questions like that. Right. Good points there. And by whole foods, Brooke and I talk about this often when, when, you know, especially with, with the craze of all these diets, these fad diets, you should eat this, you shouldn't eat this. We always say eat real food. And that's what we mean by whole foods. It's like, Grab something that's an actual food, not necessarily a processed packaged meal that's sitting there ready for you. It's grab that apple, grab a real food and just eat it. And, um, you know, I think that's a really, really important thing to keep in mind is that it doesn't mean starving yourself and you can't have things. It's like just still eat real food, but be mindful of it. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Let's put this episode on a momentary pause because we want to introduce all of you to another one of our amazing sponsors. Wishart Brain and Spine Law. 
led by a personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases and work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource for the SEI community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You are not just a case. You're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. Robin and her team are always looking for ways that they can help rebuild the best life possible for their clients by finding them support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance or benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, making sure that her clients are doing okay physically and mentally. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WEGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way she can because she wants you to live a life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure you mention the WEGS of SCI. Well, speaking of eating, our next question is, should you eat before or after a workout if you have a spinal cord injury? Or both. <laughs> yeah. So typically, I I like to think of it for workouts. There's no, there's technically no right or wrong way. Um, I know some people that swear by fasting in their workouts and then they have a nice big, you know, meal after. Uh but for some people that doesn't work. So I like to think of it as gas in a car. So if your body's the car, right? Gas is fuel. How far would you go without gas in your car on a highway? So if you have big goals in the gym and you have a long session coming up or you're training for something, you know, we need that fuel, um, especially quick acting carbohydrates to act to access, to keep us going and push ourselves further. So I typically would recommend for clients with spinal cord injuries to have some type of food before they work out. It could be an hour before. It doesn't need to be huge. It could be a, like it could be just something small, even a couple couple hundred calories or like 150 calories, preferably of real food. And a combination of the three macronutrients would be ideal. So healthy fats, complex carbs and a lean protein. And that would be a really great way to start and just fuel them before the workout. It doesn't need to be this massive meal, Mm -hmm. but just a little something in the body so that they have a little gas for their exercise so that they can push boundaries and, and hit a little bit further than the last workout. And can you give us um, a couple examples of what you would suggest in terms of the real food that you would eat? Like a combo of those three things. Like what would you, what would you grab for a client? Yeah. So Something, something that's really easy would be some like hundred percent whole grain bread, like one piece of bread folded over with some avocado and a couple slices of Turkey. Um, that would be like a good, quick, easy, accessible, um, snack that you could have before the gym. Some people like fruit. So maybe half a banana with some peanut butter on it. That would be a really good one. Cool. Um, Yeah. Something like that. Some people like, you know, you don't have to, some people like having protein shakes because they're accessible and they're quick. So having a protein shake mixed with some berries and ice or something might be also really good accessible way, especially if you're on the go and you don't have, you can kind of have that, you know, while you're on the bus or 
if you're in a car and somebody's driving, um, something like that. But like I said, it doesn't have to be big. It could just be, you know, just something little. Cool. And then that makes it so you're not as full when you're going to go do your workout. Cause I know that digestion for, especially for higher level quads, it's tough because digestion seems to take a long time. You know, even if you're exactly healthy, my husband always is like, if I have a smoothie less than an hour before my workout, I just feel like you know, puking. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I feel. I'm not even, I don't have an SCI, but I know that even for myself, I, I typically cannot work. I cannot eat before I go to the gym. Mm -hmm. But when I get home, I'm like, I want a big bowl of pasta now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even a couple hours before gym, especially you made a good point. Somebody that has a higher level SCI and their digestion takes a little longer, even a couple hours before the gym. That's still like that fuel is still there. That's still great. So that's very cool. So let's move on to the gym. So we're, we're speaking to, you know, quads and paras um, and their partners on this podcast. So what is like the, one of the most important exercises that anyone in a wheelchair, regardless of their injury could do? So this, in my opinion, and from what I've seen, I think the biggest bang for your buck regardless of your injury for exercises would be any type of pulling work. Mm -hmm. So that typically means back work. So when you're in a chair, especially a manual chair, you're doing a lot of pushing, right? You're pushing the chair around and that's a lot of anterior muscles. So shoulders, pecs, um, some of your rotator cuff, internal rotators of the shoulder. So what we want to do is counterbalance that by doing pulling work, which you, you would only really do in a chair if you were wheeling backwards. So that would be the biggest, the biggest thing I would say, because if we don't balance out those muscles, your posture is going to go downhill and it can also cause a lot of increased pain because we get really weak in the back and we get really tight in the front. And that can cause a lot of problems later on in life, especially if that person's been in a chair for a while or if you know they're injured and then they have all these years ahead of them uh in a manual chair i feel like that's a huge thing in in the community because our guys are stubborn and they don't understand that you know if you have pain in your shoulders from overcompensating by being a higher level quad and you don't Mm-hmm. do your back muscles or you don't give yourself a rest it, it, later on in life you're going to be regretting it so I'm really glad that you brought that up that's very cool and also about mm-hmm. the pulley exercise things that it's so easy to get one of those for home use and mm-hmm. you know you can just get like a wrist cuff if you're a quad um, and they're so easy to kind of for any level really and I've seen those pulley machines at like fitness depot or like online for like you know a couple hundred dollars they're not expensive mm-hmm. and it's if it's that actually even better, it's cool, even better than that on, on the programs I do online for clients that don't have access to a gym, they can do all their workouts at home. And so what, what we do is I just get them to get TheraBands or $10 scrunchie bands. And you can loop those around a door, um, up over like a bar, or you can loop it under a couch. You like $10 is all it would cost you. And you can be doing all of that stuff. So the pulley systems are great, but for people on even more of a budget, um, I mean, some physios give out bands for free. So, and most people probably have had a physio at one point in their life if they're in a wheelchair. So, so typically it's, it's really accessible. It's just planning and looking around the house to see where and what you can do. And I, there's a lot of pictures online I have with the client showing in their actual ha- homes, ha- what they're doing and how they're setting it up. So it's really easy to model. 
That's so cool. That is a very good idea. And you know what? You bring up a really good point. And I think maybe we should give out some for free after <laughs> listening to this podcast yeah. for anybody who subscribes to the Ocean Rehab newsletter. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> so moving on, we want to talk about caregivers and perfect a little bit about our fitness, because Elaine and I talk about this all the time. <clears throat> We're always wondering when we go to the gym, we want to strengthen those muscles that are useful in helping our strength, whether it be transferring our partner or helping our tra- our partner to move those kind of big muscles. What are some exercises that we can do at the gym or at home to help strengthen those bigger muscles or the muscles that we need to help move our partners? I'm so glad you asked. And honestly, I just think it's so great that you ladies want to do that because it really, it really does take a village sometimes. And I stress this with clients, you can be so into your workouts or so dedicated and so goal oriented, but if you don't have the support around you, um, it's not going to be as easy. So it's so great that you ladies want to, you know, improve and be your best uh, in your best fitness to be able to support your partners, because that's going to make such a difference for them because there really is some things that would just be a lot easier if somebody were to help set up or, yeah. you know, make a movement or something. So that's really great. Um, and how I like to break that up is to think of the functional movements that you would be doing with a partner. So there's probably a lot of bending down or what we call deadlifting right? So picking stuff up off the floor, uh, maybe picking a chair up to load it into a car or taking the wheels off. Um, Squatting is another one. Uh, Lunging and reaching maybe. You might even be lunging and rotating. Uh, These are all important movements that we need to be training in the gym to create strong movement patterns to support your spine for when you're doing them with your partner or whatever you're doing around the house. So basically that, deadlifts, squats, Rotational movements like wood chops, I really like. Lunging, pushing, and pulling exercises. Those are going to be like your staples. So if you follow a program that includes all of those movement patterns, you can fill in the blanks and get creative with what those look like. That's very cool. And kind Mm -hmm. of base your workout around that. And then it's also extra motivation, right? Like you don't want to, you know forget about doing those exercises and just slack off at the gym or, or focus on only your butt at the gym or only cardio, <laughs> because then, you know, you're going to put yourself at risk and you're going to injure yourself at some point. And you want to stay strong, you know, not just for your partner, but for yourself, you don't want to try and have to help somebody when you're injured. That's literally the worst thing ever. Yes. Especially when you don't exactly. have a backup plan, right? When you don't have a, another caregiver or a caregiving uh, provider. Yeah. It's funny. I'm sorry. I was like giggling about this because I hate, hate, hate double hate doing squats and lunges and <laughs> really yes it, it's not I fall over I'm awkward I don't even like doing it in the privacy of my own home by myself with only my dogs watching it's just awkward so I think this is gonna be a challenge for me this week is get get in and do some of those uh, squats and lunges and for me too I always see girls lifting weights while they're doing this stuff and I'm always like how how are you guys doing the weights and the lunges and like multitasking? So I think this might, maybe we'll make a little video about how yes. Lena and Brooke squat and lunge with no weights <laughs> and balance. That was great. Sorry, Megan, you know what's oh, good sorry. for that is this is the Smith machine, right? Because it kind of helps you. Mm-hmm. Do you like the Smith machine, Megan, or... 
I do for certain things. Uh, the only like squats, I personally don't because everybody squats different. Yeah. And because like you said, the Smith's machine helps you. It's, it's only going up and down. It doesn't move. Yeah. And not everybody's going to be able to squat in that same line of motion. So I do like, I actually like it for lunging better. Yeah. Um, Squats, not so much, um, but there is nothing wrong. This is what I was going to say earlier. There's nothing wrong with starting without weight. Mm-hmm. It's you have to remember your body is weight, right? You don't need external load, especially if you're just starting out. You're that is weight, right? Unless you're in a pool <laughs> where you weigh a lot less, that is weight. So, I mean, start where you start, and body weight is where you need to start. And that's there's a lot of challenges with body weight on its own without the external load. So yeah. that's, that's where I would start. Cool. That's really good advice. And that's really good motivation for us. Quad and yes. wise. Yes. That's a huge piece in taking care of yourself. So you can, you can take care of somebody else efficiently. And which brings me to another point. Once, once it gets a little bit warmer, maybe Brooke and Elena and Megan will have to make a video all together outside doing squats and lunches <laughs> properly. And Megan with her whistle. Okay, yeah. go ladies, go. <laughs> I love squats and lunges. They're my absolute favorite. So I'm totally down. Cool. And you can teach us how to do them properly. <laughs> um, I want to get into your program. So you have a huge resource online. And that's one of the coolest things about you is that you have all of your resources and exercises and advice online for a very reasonable price mm-hmm. um, with human access to you, which is also very rare because, you know, there's a lot of online programs, not for SEI, but, you know, we've mm-hmm. done a lot of online programs where it's just either robots or there's no humans. So <laughs> you actually have coaching available with your programs. Do you want to tell us more about your programs online? Absolutely. So it's called Ocean Insider Club and it's subscription based. So when you sign up, basically you get access to the whole site uh, based on, you know, your subscription level. So you can do it monthly, you can do it uh, biannually, or you can sign up for an annual subscription. And every month that you're subscribing, you actually get one uh, call uh, via online. So it's uh, we use the Zoom app, very easy to download. And it's uh, a, fa- a FaceTime check-in call with me and you get to use it however you'd like. So some of my clients will follow the programs online and then they'll touch it base with me once a month. And sometimes I meet them and they're in the gym and they're showing me what they're doing and they want me to check their form. Cool. Um, others are talking to me about what program they should do next or how they should change it. Um, others are showing me the equipment they have at home and they want me to help them with what programs would be best based on their equipment. So it, it can be very personalized. Um, it, it creates accountability and you have, you have a lot of freedom because essentially there's dozens and dozens of workouts on there and they're all programmed by me and they all follow the international exercise guidelines for SCI. And there's also dozens and dozens and dozens of exercises that are all adaptable and you can search them by at home or in a gym, high level injury, low level injury. There's tons of ways you can kind of sort through them so that you can find out what's best for you. Um, there's also some stretching on there. 
partner workouts and some really cool little tidbit exercises on like what us ladies were talking about earlier, breathing techniques, a little bit of chair yoga and that sort of thing. Just some contributions from some other fitness professionals in the adaptive, uh, in the adaptive fitness community. So it's a really great resource and it's, it's helping a lot of people so far. And yeah, I'm just really excited to have this available for people, especially when they don't live in Vancouver or near a big fitness facility where they can do accessible workouts. So this right. is, this is really awesome. That's good point. Cool. And that's just it. So you're getting quality top notch programs, even though you don't live necessarily close to these facilities, um, through an online, uh, program. So that's really cool. Uh, a quick note about stretching. You, you mentioned stretching. How important is it to stretch when you're in a wheelchair? Yeah. So if you think you ladies have both been students before. So if you think of how long, say you go take a bunch of exams or sit in a class for what, eight hours or so, and then you get up from that desk, right? You don't typically feel, (laughs) you don't feel so limber, especially at our age, right? When we're not 14 anymore. So if you think about your life being in a chair, Mm -hmm. that's 24 seven, right? Or maybe when you're not sleeping, but those muscles are going to tighten up a lot and they tighten and they can weaken. So stretching is very, very important because if we are so tight, we aren't able to access other muscles that we could be accessing. Um, so I, I highly recommend stretching. It's stretching. The right muscles are important. Um, making sure we're stretching the muscles that are tight and strengthening the muscles that are weak. And that's how we're going to create more balance in the body. Awesome. And through your online program, you will be able to guide people through these stretching exercises as well. And they all have access to how to do that properly as well. Right. Absolutely. There's already some stretching programs on there for, you know, the typical wheelchair user and the commonalities of what's tight. And then there's also some yoga based stretching, floor stretching for people that can get to the floor or to like a, a mat or a plinth. Um, and there's also some partner stretching and then there's also just a database of all stretches. So if somebody just wants to go try some, or maybe they have a tight neck that day, they can go and look up neck stretches and they can go and target and figure out which one they need to be doing. That's very cool. And so your website, it, it, well, your, your training programs co- program is called, um, ocean insiders club. What's the website for that? Just to, to, to re-clarify what the website is for that. Oh, of course. So it's www.oceaninsiderclub.com. But if you actually go to my main site, which is www.oceanrehabandfitness.com, they're linked. So at the very top of the corner, you can click on in-person training or online training. And if you click on online training, that'll take you right to the online subscription page. Amazing. And I think it's important to mention to our followers that Megan is on our website, wagsofsci.com as well under the resource page for workouts. Mm -hmm. And she also has agreed to when your partner signs up for one of her programs, she's agreed to add a a little something extra in there for the Wags of SCI themselves. So you can be accountable with your nutrition and your fitness questions for Megan once a month. Um, So we wanted to thank you for that for Mm because that's very cool. And this is something that I know I'll, I'll be hopping on to do myself soon. So you'll be seeing me there and oh, perfect. showing you what I've learned. Yeah, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for joining us today. Do you yeah, have any, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Do you have any last words of wisdom that you want our listeners to hear from your lips? 
I think it's just that if whether you're a caregiver uh, or a person with an SCI and you're wanting to get started, just know that it's never too late and there are resources out there and support is really important and just take baby steps. Um, you, you absolutely can achieve things, even if you feel limited. Um, and you just have to believe in yourself and take that first little step. And it, it takes time and consistency, but, but you can absolutely do it. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today, Megan Williamson. And we will be seeing you next time. So thank you again. Great. Thanks. Thank you, lady. The advocacy and outreach group WEGS of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our WEGS, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wegsofsci.com or donate directly to the Wags of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.